that movie is a clip is from uh, Unbroken, and uh, I don't know if you know that movie. Sorry, the book is better, as per Rachel. There's your Rotten Tomato reviewer right there. <laughs> the book is better. Anyways, uh, why did I show that movie? Uh, that movie clip. Well, the title of um, this uh, passage that we're doing is actually uh, I entitled it "Filled with Boldness." I told uh, myself, uh, um, man, like John, what have you done? You're going through seven chapters uh, in one morning. And um, but I said to myself, you know what? What really stuck out when I read those uh, seven chapters? And I felt that um, as I was reading and I was praying over this, uh, the title "Filled with Boldness" came. Boldness just came right out of me. So, what is courage and boldness? Uh, how many of you have courage and boldness? Now, I don't mean courage and boldness to be mean in person or to do things that are bad. I mean like more like courage and boldness to do what's right, to do good, to uh, follow Jesus, to be more Christ-like. Courage and boldness to go out there and, uh, and be generous or to not have any uh, uh, preconceptions of anyone and not judge anyone and just go right at it and just uh, do good. Courage and boldness to not worry about your time schedule or how your health is like or what your finances are or what your uh, personal like, uh, agenda is and just go out there and just do stuff for the Lord. Courage and boldness. Because as I read uh, chapters 1 to 7 of Acts, something really stuck out to me was were the speeches. There were three big ones in 1 to 7. And uh, during those speeches, I found out that a lot of the times the speakers were filled with courage and boldness. So, because many times, uh, um, I don't know about you, but uh, I've encountered, and myself included, I always ask myself as a Christian, like, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How does it feel like? What's the tangible evidence of me being filled with the Holy Spirit? Because uh, in chapters 1 to 7, also, the word filling occurs many times. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he spoke. The people were filled with the Holy Spirit and they rejoiced. They, the, the, when they prayed, the tongues of fire came down and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. What did that mean then? How about us in the 21st century? How can we, how, how do we sense the filling of the Holy Spirit? And so today, I want to mention about one way that we could sense the Holy Spirit's filling. And that is when we become bold. The Holy Spirit enables, when the Holy Spirit fills us, he fills us with boldness, with courage. And what do I mean by that? He fills us up with boldness and courage to actually fulfill his purpose through us. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit fills us with boldness and courage to fulfill his purpose through us. And what, are those, what is that purpose? It's twofold. One is to draw close to God, the boldness to draw close to God, and two, the boldness to draw others to God. Now, second one may be obvious, but then first one, I'm like, what? Why do you need boldness to draw close to God? Here's what I mean. The boldness and courage to face our fears. The boldness and courage to face our anxieties. The boldness and courage to even face our sins. The boldness and courage to actually encounter God and say, I'm sorry. The boldness and courage to say, no, it's not me. It's all about you. The boldness and courage to say yes to God. And that's what we're going to unpack this morning. Is that when we are, when the, in Acts 1 to 7, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and what it means in Acts chapter 1 to 7, because there's other that, uh, ways of, of the filling of the Holy Spirit in the other chapters, which we will unpack. But for Acts 1 to 7, being filled with the Holy Spirit really means, to me anyway, one way, is that the Spirit fills us to achieve His purpose 
through us is to the boldness to draw close to God and the boldness to draw others to God. And why do I say that? Why do I say boldness? Why do I say that's this, this whole courage thing? Well, in, right in the beginning in Acts chapter 1 to 8, let's go. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Acts chapter 1, and let's begin with Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Whoa! The big word that sticks out for all of us should be, Power, right? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You receive power, lots of it. But to do what? To be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit gives us power to be bold, power to face our sins, power to face our fears, power to face our anxieties, power to face our pain but also, in turn, power to drop others to God. That's a lot of power. But I just wanted this morning, this morning to just hit that right, in the, right out of the park. Is that there are many times when we fear to go out there and stand up for justice, to stand up for the weak, to protect those who need protecting. God gives us that power. Let's move on. In uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So before we even begin talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit, before this whole idea, there's actually called something called preparation. Preparation to actually receive the Holy Spirit. Preparation to actually prepare us to actually just open ourselves up and wait for the Holy Spirit to fill us. Because in the, right in the beginning in Acts chapter 1.14, Luke actually emphasizes Actually, the preparation has a lot to do with prayer, constant prayer among believers. You notice this? Church, we had our very first prayer meeting ever in our history, in our 10-year history, uh, just before the summer. Many of us, actually a lot of us here in this room, came and prayed for one another as a church and in our small groups. We actually, you know, later on split up in our small groups. We spent time in worship together. We also spent time in silence. There was this awkward silence sometimes, right? So like, uh, but we spend time in silence to sense where the Spirit's leading us, to, set, to have the silence to hear and feel God's presence. We also share prophetic words. Uh, we spend time to say, okay, what is one word that the Spirit's actually moving you to say to share with others? And some of us said joy. Actually, joylessness. Some of us said new song. Some of us said we need rejuvenation. Some of us said revival. Some of us said excitement for God again. That's more than one word, but they said it. We shared those things, those utterances, those prophetic words for each other, the things that God really wanted us to share amongst our church. We shared psalms and prayer. Folks, we're going to do that even more often this coming fall. We're going to try to like, uh, continue to do that every quarter, and then every quarter, once it becomes a habit, we can do it once a month, and then after that, we can do it hopefully every week. But we need to spend constant prayer with one another if we, indeed we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to prepare ourselves and create that space. Uh, as you could call in soul care, Dr. Rob Reimer says, you know, we need to empty our suitcase in order to be filled. The Holy Spirit can't fill us if we're full, if our schedule's packed, if our minds are bogged down with ourselves. Let's go on to the next one. So what happened then when they continued to pray and, uh, and they continued to pray for one another. 
You know, the funny thing about Luke is he never talks about how long they prayed. But may I recommend and just come uh, bring it forward to you that they prayed a lot and for a long time. Remember that word constantly? That, the English translation doesn't really do it justice. What it really means is that they prayed for a long time for a lot. A long time and a lot. And so let's not always think that things will just come instantly like that. No, God works in his own time. And so in his timing, yes, it seems like, wow, it's in chapter 2 already. But no, they prayed constantly, folks, for the Holy Spirit to arrive. So as a church for us, we have to wait too. For you as personally, you may have to wait too. But we have to consistently, constantly pray together. So in Acts chapter 2, it starts. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. See, I bolded the words like and what seemed. Why did I do that? Because these are metaphor words, like and as, right? For those who are like teachers, kitty, right? You know, they're similes or whatever, metaphors. Doing his best, the author, Luke, described the experiences the disciples and everyone in the room experienced when they came face to face with the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how you're going to picture it. Like, if the power came upon you, what would you say? You would try to describe it, grasp it with human words, right? Well, Luke here is trying to grasp it himself. These people here are trying to share it. Well, it was like tongues of fire, right? And it seemed like a big wind. That's their description, their personal experience. Because I want to emphasize this really. For all of us, each of us may experience the filling of the Holy Spirit differently. Uh, my friend, who, go, who is the pastor at Fraserlands, he would say that he experienced the Holy Spirit when he felt trembling. He was trembling for a whole hour. And a lot of people say, oh, he's just getting filled with the Holy Spirit. That's normal. Ever, ever heard that before? So he was trembling. Some of us may be healed when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Our anxieties are gone. Our physical ailments are gone. Some of us may experience tongues like these people here. Some of us may, be, uh, may have burdens lifted all of a sudden. Some of us may have uh, experienced peace, unending joy. Some of us may be in tears. Some of us may be uh, just experiencing that there's a whole lifting of burden. All of us experience differently when the Holy Spirit fills us. Because I believe that if God makes us unique individuals, each of us very unique, I'm sure it, it doesn't stop him to give unique experiences. Agree? So each of us have our own unique experience. And each of us, God has a unique experience waiting for all of us. Let us devote ourselves in constant prayer to experience that unique filling of the Holy Spirit, to experience the power. So we, we don't devote ourselves in constant prayer together as a church, in our small groups, or just with another person. Just for the, to ask the Holy Spirit to come in and fill us. We have to be confident that he will. But one, we have to be patient, praying constantly. And two, remember, not all experiences are the same. Everyone has a unique experience that God has for each of us. And this power of the Spirit enabled these people in that room to speak in tongues for a purpose at that time. Now you notice the crowd, if you're familiar with this chapter, the crowd actually understood what they were saying, right? Uh, some of the nations, like Luke said, all the nations were there. Uh, some people say, hey, why are you speaking in Swahili? 
right? Like, I, I, I know Swahili, like, you know Swahili all of a sudden? Like, some people are speaking Aramaic, Greek, uh, even Latin. So it's like, the, uh, uh, these tongues were actually very uh, understood. So what happened? Why were they given that? Well, here we go, here's the thing. What was it that Jesus wanted his people to do? Remember they said, he said, the power of the Holy Spirit will be coming upon you. To do what? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit filled his people, filled God's people, Jesus' followers, to do what Jesus wants them to do. And that's where we have our purpose. The Holy Spirit fulfills his purpose through us. He fills us for a reason. He doesn't fill us just to have an accessory. He doesn't fill us to just have a spa moment. Then you go, oh, I feel good. No, he fills us for actually a purpose, to either draw close to God and to draw others to himself. And funny thing is, when we read this chapter, all the nations were there. Interesting? All the nations were there. The Holy Spirit's not stupid, right? He sees it too. He knows that all the nations are there. So what he's going to do? He's going to give everyone the tongues to speak so that the nations understand. That's amazing, isn't it? Like, there will be times in the days when we as Christians will have the opportunity to maybe have the, well, the opportunity to actually share the gospel. But we may not know the words to say. Like, think about it. We have Pride Parade here right now in downtown. Some of the brothers and sisters I know at First Baptist are actually going integrating themselves in there to maybe find a way to have conversations with the people that are attending. Are, do they know what they have to say? No. Do they have a formula that they have? No. Yeah, they are, like, what, but what Daryl told them, Pastor Daryl Johnson told them is, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit's filling, and the Spirit will give you the words to say. That's another unique experience of the filling of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit mobilizes us and enables us to fulfill his purpose through us. All right, let's move on. So what else is there about boldness and courage? Well, okay, here comes the, the, one of the speeches in Peter. Peter decided to speak out because a lot of people thought they were drunk at nine in the morning, right? And the funny thing is that Peter identified, it's only nine in the morning. I'm going, Peter, you could get drunk at nine in the morning, by the way, just letting him know. But anyway, besides the point, let's go move on to Acts chapter two, verse 14 to 24. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all your people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God, deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Verse 36, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. 
when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That was bold, wasn't it? Like, think about it. Peter stood up amongst the, all the people, wondering about what's going on. A lot of jeering, probably, and a lot of criticism about them being drunk. He stood up. The boldness to preach the gospel, prophesy, telling people they need to repent and be baptized. And then they too will receive the Holy Spirit. How many of us are hesitant to tell people that they should be baptized? Right? We have friends who may be Christian. Some of you may just instantly pop images in our heads about Christians who are not baptized yet. How many of us are willing to tell our friends, you need to be baptized, bro, <laughs> right? Like, come on, right? Like, you're a professed Christian. How many of us are fear that, how about us who maybe not be baptized, but fear that we might be scorned by our parents, by our friends, made fun of, or even embarrassed, or humiliated, or even the cost of our whole entire network on Facebook, right? Just because we got baptized. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Either the people who, either us who need to approach our friends who maybe do not be baptized yet to, be, to tell them, no, you need to be baptized. Or for those who are not baptized, we need to be filled as well. Because the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do this. The Holy Spirit fills us. The Holy Spirit gives us the seal of approval that you are Christ's child. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke in boldness and said, all, all you folks, even you believers out there, you need to be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Church, let's pray for the filling of the Spirit. Then be bold uh, by the Spirit in our filling so that we can tell and preach the good news and tell people that repent and be baptized. Now, this speech came after when Peter, the next speech that we're going to go into, came right after when he healed a lame man at the gate called Beautiful. And so let's move on. Acts chapter 3, verse 12 to 20. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name that the end of faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that this Messiah would suffer. Repent, then, so repent, then, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. See, another bold move by Peter. You know, in our next prayer meeting, we should actually, and we will, include a time of prayer specifically for healing. Now, I remember um, I, after, you know, throughout my Christian life, right, uh, in small groups, uh, we always debated about whether we should have a healing time of prayer. Yeah, prayer for healing. And, in a, and, it, and the discussions go like this. Oh, but what will what happen if it, if no one gets healed? Like, there's going to be embarrassment, humiliation, right? They won't be a Christian anymore. They'll lose their salvation, right? Lose their faith in God. 
Right? Like, uh, if we pray and nothing happens, what happens? We'll be embarrassed. Folks, that's not boldness, is it? No, that's not even courage. That's actually worrying about our own ego. Right? Remember what I said? The Holy Spirit's purpose to fill us is to achieve His purpose through us. To draw close to God. And to also to help others to draw close to Him. Focus on that. Whether it be healing or not, we believe a God that heals. We believe a God who is powerful enough to heal whatever disease, whatever illness. So therefore, in our faith, we believe. Jesus, Peter said this, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It was the man's faith. Not by what Peter and, uh, and um, John said. It was the man's faith. The lame man's faith. We are just mere instruments of prayer, folks. We pray, but we hope that that person has faith in Jesus, faith in God that you will be healed. But we also have faith in God that God fulfills his purpose through us. And so healing is part of his purpose. Whether it be today or tomorrow or next day or never, God fulfills his purpose. And ultimately, we place our trust in God and our faith in God. But we do believe that God has the power to heal. You follow? And therefore, we shouldn't be embarrassed, hesitant in praying healing prayers. We should be bold to pray for healing prayers. And that's why in our prayer meetings coming up, we will devote our time of prayer to heal. Praying for, that God will heal. Heal, our, heal you. Heal ourselves. Pray for each other to, that for his healing upon us. Because God fulfills his purpose through us. We're not the ones who are doing the healing. It's God who's doing the healing. And it's in God's own power and timing. And so let us just trust and not be afraid or embarrassed. We pray because we're bold. Allow the, and so we pray to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us with boldness so that we could pray for each other and pray for healing. There's no embarrassment. Let's move on. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. How are you guys doing? Is it going too fast? Is this right? All right. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. This came after, this speech actually came after when the Holy Spirit sprung Peter and John out of jail. Right? They were thrown in jail, and then uh, somehow, overnight, they were free again. Right? No one, even the disciples and his community, their community didn't believe it. Remember, knock, knock, I'm here. No, I don't believe you. Uh, teenager says, no, they're here. Yeah, but you're just a teenager. You know nothing. Uh, so then, you know, like, and then uh, suddenly they go, oh, they are here. Right? Yeah. Anyway, what's the lesson here? Again, power. The Holy Spirit has a purpose. If, the per if he has that purpose in us, in you, in each of you, and you say yes to God for that person, you say all in, guess what? Nothing can stop you. I know that uh, there are times in my ministry when uh, um, Rosanna and I, like, uh, we made this commitment seven, eight, eight years ago now to go and start this ministry called Company of Disciples. Every year we say, oh, I'll give it another year, another year, because it's hard work. But then I realized that each year, when I want to stop, and then, but then I say, no, God, okay, you want me to keep going? He says, oh yeah, you're gonna keep going. He has paved the way. 
It's almost like he mowed a lawn, right? Mowed one direction for me clearly. No, you go there, right? And then nothing's going to stop you. If we obey God, God does amazing things in our lives. And if we say yes to God, nothing's going to stop you to fulfill his purpose. Nothing. He gives us the power to do it, and he will mow the lawn for us. He'll pave the way for us. We just have to open our eyes and say yes to him. Remember what Ron Reimer says about ourselves. When we obey God, what happens to us? He changes our hearts. Something that we can never, ever do ourselves. Right? So when we obey God, God can do amazing things in us and through us. So why did I include this speech? It's because they were released from prison. Folks, like putting a guy in prison, that's pretty much an end game. Sorry, I stole that title. Uh, like that's probably an end game for them, but it wasn't. And that's why Luke, I believe Luke included this, because he emphasized the power of the Holy Spirit. When we say yes to Jesus, there's no way that he's going to stop. No way anything can stop his purpose through us. Let's move on. And uh, okay, this speech is from uh, Gamaliel. And this is when, um, you know, again, uh, there was some ruckus, and Peter and John were in the midst of the Pharisees. Acts chapter 5, verse 34. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel... A teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. For if their purpose or activity is of a human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Notice this? Again, even Gamaliel knows the power of God. Like, guys, don't stop them. If it's from God you're going to fail trying to stop them. And they did, right, right through the whole time. So finally, like, we see and witness that even the Pharisees, the people who don't even believe in, the, in this whole area, they even acknowledge that if you go against God, nothing can stand in his way. You'll fail. God will always succeed. And so if we get obey God, and I'll say, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. I'll, Give us that boldness and courage and say yes to God in his, in his and say, yes, I want to do what you have called me to do. He's not going to let anyone stop you. He's going to pave the way for you. Finally, last speech, and that's Stephen. Now, some of you know that the situation here, it was uh, when the, uh, Stephen performed miraculous uh, uh, things, uh, as in Verse 8, now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Now, uh, and then uh, some of the Jews and Pharisees saw that and they became jealous. And they go, what? How come I can't do that? Right? And so they would stir up the crowd and uh, they got a whole Gestapo uh, surrounding Stephen and accusing Stephen that he was blaspheming uh, uh, Moses, of all people. So then Stephen starts to recite the history of Moses back at them, uh, quite long. It took up almost all this chapter. But then he ended with this, in chapter 7, verse 51. He goes, this is, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like the ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, Looked up to heaven. Now remember this. This is full. So meaning, it's not filling. Right? It's not a verb. It's just done. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Right? Looked up to the heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, 
I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats uh, at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. What is our greatest fear when it comes to serving God or saying yes to God or to uh, obey God? What is our greatest fear when, we ha- uh, when God tells us to reveal our sins to him and uh, to reveal uh, our anxieties and our burdens? What's our greatest fear? It's death, right? It's the death to self, sacrificing ourselves, or even literally death, the literal death. We fear death. We fear to die. We don't like it. Uh, we don't like the pain that comes with it. We don't like the leading up to it, the fear of the death, of the end. Are we afraid of dying? I always like to talk to tell this line about us as Christians. We're actually, as Christians, we're supposed to look forward to death, actually. We are supposed to look forward to death because without death, there's no resurrection, right? You need to die first in order to resurrect, right? We're supposed to look forward to death because death is a, with death comes new body, new hope, and, and rejuvenation, and also a communion with God. So we are to look forward to death, but in our midst of looking forward to death, we need to do our part. We have a job to do. We got a, uh, we got a purpose to, to fulfill. And each of us have our own individual purposes that God has called us to do. So Stephen here, filled, already full of the Holy Spirit, what, was he, what did the Spirit enable him to do? To be bold. To step up and say, this is wrong. You're wrong. You're sinning against God. They were ready to stone him. They had stones in their hands already, folks. And he saw that and he said, yeah, I'm ready to die. I'm not afraid of death. So I believe that in this passage, the reason why Luca actually included this as well, to conclude, to conclude this whole section, was to let us know what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, there's filling. Yeah, there's filled. But then what does it mean to be full? To be already up to the brim. And then, interestingly enough, he said, just for Stephen, he says he's full of the Holy Spirit, and he had courage to face death. Folks, one of the most tangible evidences, evidences, one of the most tangible evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit and knowing that you're full is to know that, to see whether you're bold. To bold enough to face death right in the eyes and not be afraid of it. That could mean not being afraid of our own finances. That could mean not being afraid of our kids going to schools that, that uh, may be, and the fear that they might have hang on the wrong crowd. It may be like uh, um, anxieties right, of the unknown, fears of the unknown of at work, our careers, fear of the unknown of when we own our own businesses, fears of the unknown of raising kids and of sicknesses, right? Those type of fears. It's just that we're like, uh, to know that whether we are actually full is to actually see whether we are bold where we are bold and courageous to face the evil that's out there and also face the evil that's inside of us. Bold enough to draw close to God and bold enough to draw others to God. Amen. Let's pray.